Jeremiah chapter 2. It may seem like kind of an odd place, but chapters 5 and 6, Paul Tripp talks about something that he calls all amnesia, and then he also talks about transgression. And I think there's just this great picture here in Jeremiah chapter 2 that really aids us with this, helps us with this. So um, without doing a whole long spill, obviously the, the nation of Israel, or I should say the, the, the ten tribes of Israel, have already been, they've already been wiped out by the Assyrians. And Judah's just kind of, at this point, biding their time. Uh, judgment has been pronounced, and he's pronouncing judgment. He'll pronounce it more through Jeremiah. Um, but uh, there is this, in this empire of, of the Babylonians that's growing and there's judgment that's going to come, and, and so uh, Jeremiah is speaking into that to to Judah, and so that's kind of where we're at. Um, so Jeremiah chapter two, and let's let's just look at chapter two verses one through three, because this is kind of the the good part, if you will, of things. Verse one says, "The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem." Thus says the Lord, remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness and the land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruit of his harvest, all who ate of it in crude guilt. Disaster came upon them, declared, declares the Lord. So right here in these first three verses, God speaking through Jeremiah goes back and he was reminiscing of these these positive days. Days in which, uh, as the Lord describes it, Israel was faithful to him. He describes it as a bride and this this relationship walking through the wilderness together and and speaks of Israel as his first fruit. So, So if anyone were to come and to try and steal those first fruits, what happens? Or what does it say? Yeah, they're going to incur the wrath of God because of this relationship that's in play here. Well, unfortunately, we don't stop with that thought. That That's not the end of things. Things keep going. Verse 4, hear the word of the Lord, O Israel, of Jacob and all the clans of the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, what wrong did your fathers find in me? that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless. Now there's a little play on words there, the idea of worthlessness and became worthless. But something drastic has happened between those first three verses and what the Lord begins to describe through Jeremiah in verse 4 and then continues on through the chapter. And I think what we'll see is what... what um, Paul Tripp mentions, and this is kind of the way that, that I would put it together. Oh, look at that. There we had our picture. I'm, I'm a little behind here. Our bride and groom. <clears throat> Something that, Jerem, that, that Paul Tripp says, and I would sum it up this way. We must believe that all amnesia is a very real and dangerous thing. We must believe that all amnesia is a very real and dangerous thing. Let's continue and see what, what, um, how this, how this unfolds. Continue with me. Verse, um, verse six. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness in a land of, uh, of desert, 
and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through, where no man dwells. And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits and its good things. But when you came in, you defiled the land and made my heritage an abomination. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things they do not, that do not profit. Therefore, I still contend, therefore, I still contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your children's children, I will contend for cross the coast of Cyprus and see and send to Kadar and examine with care. See if there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods? Even though they are not gods. But my people have, have, have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now that's a pretty bad situation as described there. I mean, God kind of, there's almost this role of courtroom taking place here. God standing as the defendant is, 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 these things are listed out. Has this happened before? Has there been a nation that has changed their gods? It's a severe charge. Well, how did we, how did we get to this place? What happened? What went wrong? What what got Israel to this place where they're exchanging their gods and now the God who in verses 1 through 3 they're so close with and now they've abandoned and they've exchanged. Well, one of the things, not the only thing, but one of the things I think is this, what Paul Tripp would sum up as, as all amnesia, they, they forgot. Way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Right after God gives the law in Deuteronomy, and He's speaking through Moses, He gives this warning in Deuteronomy 6, verse 10 through 15. This comes right after His, we, something that we dealt with a, a few Sunday nights ago when we talked about education. We dealt with those, those verses at the beginning of Deuteronomy 6, right? That you're going to instruct this. This is going to be passed down to your children and you're going to keep this ever in front of you. Then this warning comes starting with verse 10. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns you did not dig, and vineyards of olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. What does God warn them about when they get into the land? Forget. You'll forget. You're going to get in the land and you're going to live in a house you didn't build and you're going to be eating fruit from a tree you didn't plant. You're going to be drinking wine from a vineyard that you didn't plant and you're going to become content and what's going to happen? Here's the danger. 
You're going to become fulfilled in those moments and you're going to forget. Now, that was not the only time that God warned them about this. And if you trace the history of Israel, you'll see all of these things that God did throughout the, 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 the history of Israel and that story to bring reminders to them. I mean, that, that basically could sum up almost all of the festivals and feasts that, were, that God ordained for the nation of Israel. They were, one aspect of them was to be a remembrance. Not only that, but at one of the great all moments in the history of, of Israel was the crossing over the River Jordan. I mean, this was a really pivotal time in the history of Israel. They had been led out of Egypt by Moses and all of the miraculous things they had seen, almost all of them were attached to Moses, but now Moses is fading off of the scene and there's this new guy, Joshua, coming in and there's kind of this sense of, well, how is this going to go? I mean, Moses was the guy that met with God and spoke with him face to face. Moses, the guy with the shiny face syndrome, that guy, that he's gone now, how is this going to work? And so God gives this amazing display in the crossing of the River Jordan purposefully to remind this new generation that's come up that he's the same powerful God that parted the Red Sea and he marches them over into the Promised Land and then, all on his own might, brings down the walls of Jericho without them doing anything. And in the midst of that, there's this great little bit where as they're crossing over, God says to Joshua, hey Joshua, send 12 guys back and do what? You know the story. Get 12 stones. Get 12 stones and you're going to bring them to where you're going to camp tonight and you're going to set them up. Now why did he do that? To remember. That's what it was. It was to be, uh, it was to remember. Now I'm sure it didn't look quite like that. But he says it was to remember and he even says so that, so that when your children ask, Joshua chapter 4 verse 6, this may be a, a sign among you when your children ask in times to come, what do these stones mean to you? All, any of you who have kids know these questions are coming. What's that? Why do they do that? Why do you do it that way? What's going on over there? So that when that question comes from your children, what? What will you be able to do? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which was what? The presence of God. It was the symbol of the presence of God among His people. When it passed over the, the, uh, the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that, so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So here's just one instance of these standing stones sitting there to be a reminder. The feast were there to be a reminder. All of these things were to be a reminder. But then we come here to Jeremiah towards the end of, 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 of this the great nation of Israel before Judah is finally going to be wiped out by the Babylonians. And, and what is the Lord saying? He's saying, no one is saying, where's the Lord? It's as if the Lord has, has been forgotten. And then, if you're still in Jeremiah chapter 2, look, look over at verse 32 because I think this sums it up. And again, this isn't the only reason, but this is certainly one of the reasons. The Lord says can a, in verse 32 of Jeremiah chapter 2, Can a virgin forget her, her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me. Days without number. What happened to Israel is that they forgot 
their God. They forgot. Like I mentioned before, Paul Tripp calls it amnesia. Or all amnesia. That, that we forget. There's a quote in here that I wanted to read. From the beginning of the chapter. If I can find it. Here we are. It is the worst kind of blindness. He mixes these two ideas of all amnesia and blindness. It is the worst kind of blindness. It's the physical ability to see without the spiritual ability to really see what you've seen. It's the capacity to look at wonder. Things specifically designed to move you and produce in you breathless amazement. And not be moved by them anymore. It's the sad state of yawning in the face of glory. I think that's part of what happened to Israel. They have forgot their God. It's not that God had changed or anything had shifted with Him, but they had forgotten Him. Psalm 106 verses 19 through 22 tell us that this was not something that was new for Israel. In fact, At Mount Sinai, when God is giving the law, this is the way the Lord records it in that psalm. They made a calf at Hebron and worshipped the metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. They forgot. Well, here's the truth of the matter, because it's easy to pick on Israel, but the truth of the matter is, if we're not working at remembering, guess what we're doing? We're forgetting. If we're not working at remembering, we're forgetting. Forgetting is kind of our default setting, right? You get a new electronic device and it has default settings. Well, our default setting is to forget. I've never really had to work hard at forgetting things. I have yet to find an app that you download that helps you forget stuff. There's a lot of them that are supposed to remind you about stuff. I just have to remember to put it in the app so it can remind me. Why do we forget? Why is remembering such a difficult thing for us? Well, I think there are probably lots of reasons. One of the thoughts that came to my mind is just that we're limited creatures. We're not like God. God lives in all of time. He's not contained by it. He's eternal. There's no beginning and end to Him. And that includes in time. But you and me, we're stuck in this moment. That's it. I can't live the moment that happened just then. And I can't reach forward and grab the moment ahead of me. So all I've got is this one moment that's sitting right here. That's all I've got. And as I progress forward in those moments, it's easy to forget these back here. Not only that, I know this won't come as a shock to you, but transitioning back from Senegal to America, it is shocking that it's almost like few of us here, I'll throw myself in the mix, are even living in this moment. We're not even living this moment because we're concerned about the moments that are coming ahead. We're so concerned about the moments that are coming tomorrow and next week and the week after that and the moment after that. How in the world are we going to remember what happened back there? Because we're so concerned with what's happening in front of us. Forgetting comes naturally. It's not something that we have to work at. But it certainly is something we need to be careful of. 
One of my favorite psalms, a psalm that I come back to over and over again, and you probably do as well, Psalm 103. How does Psalm 103 start? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. I heard a preacher say that's the prayer you pray when you've started eating before you pray. Right? Get it? Huh. Okay, that was bad. What did it say next? Hmm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget... How many? Don't, don't forget a lot of His benefits. Try and remember as many as possible. What does it say? We want to remember all of them. We don't want to forget a single one. Now it's interesting there that David states it in the negative. And I think part of the reason for that is because David knows our default setting is to forget. So he needs telling himself, stop it. Stop forgetting. Work hard at remembering. We have to labor at remembering or we will forget. Sometimes I don't think we put enough time into this. We barreling through moment by moment in life, so consumed with what's coming ahead, that we forget what God has already done. And then when we've forgotten what God has done, we end up in a worse situation. So what do we need to do? Well, stop, look, and listen. First of all, we, we, we need to Stop. We need to find time to stop. Paul Tripp says this in the book, The concerns of the present so dominate our minds that we have little mental energy left to remember what came before. I'm so pressed by what's here right now in front of me that I almost can't remember anything of what came before. And you know, I I honestly believe that one of the contributing factors to this are these amazing devices right here. couple studies, just interesting thought. There are almost as many cell phones in the world as there are people. Like people with cell phones. Research has found that out of 100 people, 96 of them have cell phones. That's insane. That's happened in just 20 years time. In 2011, only 35% of adult Americans had smartphones. Today it's 68%. That was last year, by the way. One study show, well, let me ask you this question. How many times do you think you check your phone in a day, your smartphone in a day? That was part of this study. They went around asking people. And based on the numbers that they ran, whatever you're thinking, you need to to multiply it by two. Studies showed that people check their smartphones an average of 85 times per day. Another study showed that on average, Americans spend 3.3 hours a day on their smartphone. 85% of people that were asked said their smartphone is a central part of their lives. Now, it's easy for me to stand up here and say that, but let me tell you, if I leave my phone at home and I go out somewhere, how do you feel? You feel like you're... You're naked or something, like part of you is missing, you know? And 
there are lots of reasons for that. That phone does about 40 different things that I used to have to go 40 different places to accomplish, right? It can all happen there, and I can just ask Siri to do it for me. But the other part of it is, is that it's also there because in this moment, right now, somebody has a question, and they need to ask me. They need to ask me right now. And I gotta answer right now. And I gotta have this phone call right now. And I gotta know what the score is right now. And I need to know what our, and I need to, and you see, it, it puts this intensity on this moment, right now, what's happening, who's doing what, where's so and so, what's going on there, that it just adds this pressure to the moment. So and so has a question for me right now? Well, I need to answer right now. And we forget the past. So stop. The second thought in that is look. And this is one of those things, I know this seems so simple, and we've talked about this already, but creation is made to be a huge signpost to God's glory. And part of the reason it stands there as a signpost to God's glory is because we so often forget. He knew how forgetful we would be, and so he makes this great signpost, and you think, yeah, but that's so simplistic, go look at a bird and it's going to help you. But look, you know Isaiah 40, do you not? In Isaiah 40, as God is calling His people back to Himself, what does He use? Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in a scale and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord or what man should shows Him His counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as dust on the scale. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon with, will not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering." All the nations are as nothing before Him. They are counted by Him as less than nothing and emptiness. What does He go on to say? Verse 25, To whom then will you compare Me? That I should be as equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of His might and because of His strength and power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? We forget. And we need to consult. Look at creation. It stands there as a huge signpost to point us back to the Lord. When we look at creation and we see storms, we're reminded of His power. In the sun's rising, we're reminded of His faithfulness. In the functionality of the world. Do you know the world has never had a, a, a system update? You never had to pause in the morning because they needed to download some... You know, the sun never failed to come up because malware got in there. No, His wisdom and the functionality, His grace and the fact that the rain falls on the righteous and on the wicked, His creativity and the diversity and His love and the constant provision. Creation is there and it screams to us constantly of God's goodness to us. And then we also need to listen. We need to listen to the past. 
It's trying to talk to us. It wants to say something to us. If we will stop long enough, look around us, and then take time to listen. How good are you and I at keeping a record of God's faithfulness in our lives? How many standing stones do you and I have? Think just for a moment about maybe last month. What was the big thing last month that was just so huge? What was one of those things that you just thought, this is so huge, I don't know how this is going to be figured out, I don't know what's going on. Folks, just a few months ago, I was standing in Senegal, West Africa, going, God, what in the world are you doing? I had a whole list of things that I wanted to see God do and accomplish that were just, they would keep me up at night, I'd end up with indigestion because I'm thinking about these things. I don't see how the Lord's going to work all of these things out. And you know, in just a few months of being here, it's so easy to forget all that He's already done. And all I see is what's still left of the process. Well, God, when are you going to provide a house for us? And how in the world is this going to work? And what's going to happen here? And what's going to happen there? Meanwhile, He's already provided and answered in so many situations and in so many ways. And what's happened? It's gone. I forgot. I forgot. So listen to the past. Listen to God's Word. God's Word is the great record for us of His past faithfulness. Read through the Old Testament and see God's faithfulness with Israel. Be reminded that that same God is the God that you serve today. There is a reason that in the nation of Israel they took time to call God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Tomorrow morning when you get up to pray, run down the list of your family. Run down, maybe it's not family members, maybe it's other people that God used to bring the gospel to you. Run down that list and start your prayer that way. Be reminded of His faithfulness. The gospel didn't show up at your front door by accident. It certainly didn't show up there because you went looking for it. It was His faithfulness working in your life. Stop and remember that. Listen to His Word. And then listen to others. You know, the great thing about coming together and part of the purpose of us gathering together is so that we can declare the glories of God to one another. I need you to ask me at times, seriously ask me how I'm doing and ask me the question about what I'm thankful for. I need you to remember that prayer request that I shared and come back to me later and ask me what God did because to be honest with you, I prayed about it and then I forgot because once that problem was done, I was on to the next one. And when you ask me and I'm forced to speak into the community, the reality of God's goodness, it helps solidify that for me. And not only that, but then it gives you the opportunity to see God's faithfulness in my life. And I get to see God's faithfulness in your life. And you're encouraged by what He's doing in me, and I'm encouraged by what He's doing in you. This getting together thing isn't just so I can have a job, and Justin, and Frank, and Howard. But so that we can gather together and remember the faithfulness of the Lord. To encourage one another by God's faithfulness as we assemble together. It's part of what we do as we sing. We're we're declaring to one another. We're preaching to one another. We're encouraging one another as we stand up and we sing, Great is our God. He's been great this week. I'm going to stand and I'm going to sing it.
and declare it. Well, here's the last thing that, and this is a broad stroke of that, that, that chapter 6. From forgetting, we can move into forsaking. From forgetting, you can move into forsaking. It's just a step away. See, we started back with the beginning with, we've got to understand how dangerous it is that we forget the greatness of God and His faithfulness. How dangerous it is when we do not discipline ourselves to remember God's faithfulness, to specifically stop and look around us and listen to our past and listen to the Word of God and listen to the community of believers. Because here's what happens when you forget you are on your way to forsaking. Israel forgot, and then, as we saw in Jeremiah chapter 2, God comes down to his indictments of them, and he lists two specific things. Verse 13, my people committed two evils. They forsook me. They abandoned me. The fountain of living water. That was a very precious thing in that part of the world. A fountain of living water? Are you kidding me? No one would leave a fountain of living water. He's the fountain of living water, and they forsook Him. But that wasn't all they did. They didn't just forsake Him. What does it say they did? They hewed out other cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that could hold no water. See, the truth of the matter is, is what we keep coming back to, and what Paul Tripp keeps coming back to in this book, are souls, our spirit, our inner man longs for all. It longs for something greater than this world can supply. And if we forget the faithfulness of God, if we, if we just march on through life and we don't stop and look and listen... We move away from the Lord and before we know it, we've not only forgotten Him, but we're forsaking Him. And by forsaking, I mean we're moving away from Him into sinfulness. What do I mean? I mean we're turning away from Him and we're taking His glory and we're letting go of that and we're looking for glory elsewhere. We're looking for it in His creation. We're looking for it, as, as God says through Jeremiah here, we're digging out our own cisterns that cannot even hold water. And then we live frustrated, irritated, angry, bitter lives. Because God's not supplying for us the things that we think we deserve through the means that we think we deserve it. We turn our spouses into cisterns and they will not hold the water that I feel like I need to feel good about me. So then I turn to my children and I put all the weight on them and, and, and they're not worthy cisterns either. So then I turn to my job, and from my job to my church, and from my church to who knows what else. And the water just keeps seeping through, because my soul is longing for something. Something that can only be satisfied in God. The danger of forgetting is very real. The longing of our soul is very real, because we were made in the image of God. We have got to be serious about the labor of remembering. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. This is David preaching to himself. Speaking to his soul. I hope you talk to yourself. It's a very good thing to do. I do it often. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none, none of His benefits. Well, let's do that work this week. I would challenge you to do that, maybe even tomorrow morning. Turn your smartphone off or put it away somewhere and just sit down and think about God's faithfulness. To go back maybe a month, two months. Think about the things. If you write down your prayer request, go back and look at them. Think about the things that were concerning you, what was going on. Go back a year. Think through those things. Maybe pictures would help. Maybe some video would help to trigger your mind of what was going on. Remember the faithfulness of God. Remember how good He is. Turn your soul towards Him and delight in Him. Because if we move to forgetting, we quickly move to forsaking. And if we forsake Him, it's not that our longings will stop. It's that we'll do what Israel did or what what Judah did and we'll dig out our own cisterns, ones that can't hold water. And in the meantime, the fountain of living water is right there, waiting, calling. Huge signpost every day saying, I brought the sun up today. Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? See that tree? I did that. See that grass? I did that. See that bird? I did that. See that? You see that? You see that? So let's stop and look and behold him. Let me finish with this uh, quote by C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Let's see if I can find where I want to start here. Most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want accurately something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in the world that offer to give, give to you But they never quite keep their promise. The longing which arises in us when we first fall in love or or first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us, our our, our longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. I am not now speaking of what would ordinarily be called unsuccessful marriages or holidays or or learned careers. I am speaking of the best possible ones. There was something we we grasp, there's something we grasp at in that first moment of longing, which just fades away in reality. I think everyone knows what I mean. The wife may be a good wife, and the hotel and the scenery may have been excellent, and the chemistry may be a very interesting job. But something has evaded us. That something is the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're so patient with us. Uh, You know, we read through the Old Testament, we see Israel, and we see their repeated failures. And I know sometimes I can just think how foolish they were. How, How could they be... At, at, at the foot of that mountain as, as it's shaking and there's lightning and fire and, and this, this great manifestation of your presence and your glory and yet they forget you and turn to worship a golden calf. How could they do that? And yet, Lord, your creation is here and it screams and, and we have 
each one of us on our phones, multiple copies in our hands, physical copies of your word declaring to us your faithfulness to Israel and, and, and through Christ and, and even declares to us the hope that we have of glory. And yet we forget. Father, help us in the midst of a busy world. I, I know I, that most of us have to go to work tomorrow. The alarm's going to go off early tomorrow morning. Students are going to go to school or get up and start school at home. And, and life is going to get going. And our phones are going to ring and texts are going to come in and emails are going to come. And, and the world in one sense is not going to stop and our culture is certainly not going to stop. Help us, Lord. Tomorrow morning, remind us to stop, to look, to listen. Help us, Lord, to see any area in our lives where we have forgotten, and certainly if there are any areas where we are forsaking, where we have turned and we're now looking to things that you've created to satisfy us instead of to you. Forgive us, Lord, for those areas in our life. Help us not just to stop doing those things, to stop looking in those areas, but to turn our hearts towards you. And to be totally and completely delighted and fulfilled in all that you are. And all that you've done for us. Help us to be faithful this week. To declare your goodness to others around us. To the people that you bring into our lives. Believers and unbelievers alike. May we be quick to tell of your greatness and your faithfulness in our lives. Remind us of your mercies and your grace to us. It is so wonderful. And it is it fills our lives. Remind us of those things, Lord. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.